Hello and welcome to Balance City with your host, me, moi, Danielle. We're going to talk all about the juicy stuff, about relationships, about business, about mental health, all the things when it comes to the journey of life, right? And what you'll see along the way is no one's perfect. We all have our shit, (laughs) to be frankly honest. And I am so thankful that you're here to be on this journey with me. And I'm going to have some epic guests sharing their story. And I just cannot wait to get this started. So let's go. Hello and welcome back. I am so excited to have you guys back here. Today, I'm sitting down with the incredible Sia. I don't know if you know her, but she, you might've seen her in the Pussycat Dolls. I don't know. But see, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the mic to you and kind of introduce yourself. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. First of all, I'm so happy to be here with you. This is so fun. Um, are we gonna talk about this, like how we met? Yes, we could t- totally. We could talk because I right. feel like every interview so far, I've met them through Clubhouse. So we which can- is remarkable to me. It's just such a wild, weird world. So yeah. I'm very happy to be here with you and to see you in person. I know the voice, but it's nice to see your face. Um, yes, I'm Sia, Sia Batten, and, um, I am a former, I was one of the original Pussycat Dolls, which means that I was there for 12 years. If you can believe that we were around for 12 years before, uh, the first world tour. That's so So, crazy. crazy. Yeah. For anybody who's like freaking out about when they get started, you know, or building a startup or anything, just, just think about that 12 years before we, we, the world knew about it. Um, but I was also an actor. I was a ballerina. I went from ballet to pseudo burlesque. The origination of the Pussycat Dolls was mm-hmm. kind of pseudo burlesque, which we can talk about yep. before it was banned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was an actor for many, many years. And I did tons of television and film and was told I had to pick dancing, i.e. Pussycat Dolls or acting. And I said, no way. And I got to do both. So um, that was wonderful. It was really fun. I loved the entertainment and then when I had my baby, I was like, oh, can't go back. I cannot be on set for 17 hours a day. So I pivoted big time, which we will get into. Yeah. No, I mean, I even just having conversations with you through Clubhouse, like you're just an incredible human. I just could not wait to have you here. And your story is pretty remarkable, too. Um, I kind of wanted to first kind of go towards how the how how the whole Pussycat Doll came about. Like what even made you kind of want to join them? Get involved? Yeah. Well, I was in so early that like, there wasn't really a them, if that Mm -hmm. makes any sense. Mm -hmm. We hadn't become a thing yet. So I think I started three months after their first show. So we are talking, uh, 1994, maybe. Um, I want to say 94 might've been 93, but more likely 94. And there were a few girls that did one number, uh, at the Viper Room a few months before I came in, Johnny Depp saw it and was like, oh my God, you have to be here. Please do a monthly show. Viper Room was his club in in um, LA on Sunset Boulevard. And there's it's got a remarkable history. Uh, very, very cool club. And a lot of bands played there. A lot of, there's a lot of story there. But he said, come do a monthly show here and like kind of be in resonance. And that's how it grew from just one number to this bigger, you know, it wasn't really that big in the beginning. It was really messy. It was kind of crazy. It was all very DIY. 
But I came in after having met Robin Anton mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, on another dance job. And because I was a ballerina, she didn't have anybody like me. And so she's like, can you come do a number on point? And so I did. And from there it grew and we kind of solidified our main girls. There were six of us. It was me and Robin and Carmeet who continues. She remains with the band, the gorgeous redhead, a mm-hmm. uh, woman named Casey Campbell, who's got a remarkable story. Uh, who's now a lawyer and uh, Nadine Ellis and Stacy flood, whose names you will Nadine's an actress. And Stacy is a very big figure over at the voice. So everybody kind of went like this it was amazing, but we started just showing up at the Viper Room and doing monthly shows and the stage was like this big and the, <laughs> you know, the changing area in back was so small and we'd come out layered. Oh my God, my seat just almost folded forward. It's not, the top. <laughs> it's just like face planted on my computer screen. <laughs> anyway, um, it was really fun. It was really DIY in a way. Robin and I were always like sewing costumes in my guest house and it was just wonderful. And we spent years doing that we developed this incredible cult following viper room was also really small so it was like to get in you know it was a coveted spot to have your space in the viper room and all these celebrities started seeing it and like oh my gosh i want to be on stage and we had christina applegate and carmen electra and gwen stefani and fergie and scarlett johansson i mean i could go on and on like every celebrity under the sun pretty much uh would perform with us and so it was like this huge this little thing that just became a big wave and as we grew, uh, my I didn't just do point anymore. It was really the six of us. We started to get more attention. Um, I became their first producer when we realized that there was real potential for it to grow into an actual business. And it did. I mean, it grew into a business. Huge. On David Letterman and Jay Leno and, uh, you know, on the covers of Maxim Magazine and Interview. And it was just wild. And then we moved into bigger venues. No, and then, you know, you see where they are now. So. Yeah, I mean, epic, epic. And yeah. I feel like, well, so when you were saying like you'd bring up any like celebrities too to perform with you guys, like did, how did that even come about? They just, you know, you guys just decided like, let's bring up whoever. They ask, you know, they would definitely express interest. So Christina yeah. Applegate, I think was there from the very beginning Uh, She's a phenomenal dancer. People think of her as a comedian and this actress and think of all the Will Ferrell movies. I mean, she's absolutely brilliant, but she's also a trained dancer, an excellent Mm -hmm. performer. So Mm -hmm. she was with us from very, very early on. Same with Carmen Electra, who people also see very differently. She can dance. She is a great dancer. And so they expressed interest. Of course, we're going to bring them. Of course, we're going to include them. Right. Um, And then when we'd have guests like, you know, Gwen Stefani or um, who else was kind of, I mean, there were so many interesting people. Charlize mm. um, saw it and they would say, oh my gosh, I want to do a number. And we would just bring them in. And so Charlize ended up doing a number that was my piece. I gave it to her and moved into another role in that particular number. We would just give them what we knew, you know, a piece that, that we knew that they could shine in. That's so, you know, of course, Aguilera sang because she's like right. out of control. Amazing. Um, you know, who else do we have sing? Uh, pink. I mean, so yeah. Amazing. So we replaced them and give them a chance to do a number. And that was it. Gwen did a bunch of numbers with us. She was with us a lot, so much so that we ended up going on tour with No Doubt. Oh, wow. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So a few of us, not, not everyone, but, right. it, but a few of us did and would, would dance with them. That's incredible. And now, so now you're, you're in that stage of, of pivoting. Now you're now like, 
where did that happen? You went from mm-hmm. Cosica Talis to now coaching. So what, what? Oh, um, sorry. I'm drinking my watermelon juice. This is love it. <laughs> I am obsessed. I I mean, granted, it's like, it's, it's real, like you, it's real, like watermelon in there. Watermelon. I just blend it and put a little ice in it. Cause I like it, it, you know, quite cold. Love it. And um, it's a great liver cleanser according <laughs> to the medical medium. <laughs> so I love it. I'm obsessed. Um, but I'm trying not to, I'm trying to cut sh- all sugar out. So I'm going to fruit sugar. So um, <laughs> I check. So what happened? So there's a bit in between. Okay. So I did, I was with the dolls for 12 years. We did, you know, in my opinion, uh, really remarkable things. I was signed with the Interscope for two of those final years, which was how long we'd been signed before everyone went out on tour. And we parted ways in January before they went on tour in March which was, you know, it was the right thing to do for all of us. I'd been there for a really long time. Robin was also coming off stage. Um, I am not a singer. Um, You know, it just wasn't exactly the right fit anymore. And I was so ready to move into different things because in the interim, about maybe five years after I stopped, you know, I ended the, my, my reign, as some people call it, with the Pussycat Dolls, I'd started a jewelry company because we spent so much time and don't forget I was a working actor. You spend so much time in trailers, so much time in your waiting room or in the green room. So I started making things and with my hands and I got so much attention. We had, don't forget, we had a lot of celebrities coming and going People were like, what is that? What is that? Right. And I had a friend of mine at some party who was standing with me when someone asked me what I was wearing. And I was about to be like, oh, this little thing, like nothing, <laughs> whatever. And she was the West Coast editor of a huge magazine, which meant that she was really locked in and keyed into PR. Mm. So she goes, oh, this is my friend Sia. And this is her jewelry line and blah, blah, blah. And she's just launching and yada, yada. And so, I mean, the way she presented it was so different than how I would have presented it, which was an excellent lesson in marketing, by the way, that was one of my first real lessons in marketing. And the person who had asked about it was like, we're shooting the cover for another major magazine three days from now. Can you get me your whole line? And all of a sudden I had a jewelry company. So that had grown so much. And I had, you know, Rihanna collected our pieces, Jennifer Lopez, Kate Moss has a bunch of them. So it really started to blow. Um, and it just felt like the right thing to mm. do. Like I had my own business. I didn't want to be. You felt like a, the, like a, like, like a, but like a, like a real entrepreneur, like a real, like boss. An, yeah, so an entrepreneur and a boss. And it was right. mine and I was front and center. And, you know, I wouldn't have been that because I'm not a singer. And so it just wasn't, it wasn't the way I wanted to go. And right. also because I had a real acting career, you know, so it worked for all of us that we went like this. So I then focused a lot of my jewelry business. It was a very long way around to the pivot wasn't, you know, directly to spiritual health and wellness and coaching. Mm-hmm. I did my jewelry business for a very long time. And I did that with my son's father. When we split, another choice had to be made. I chose co-parenting over co-foundership and gave him the company and um, from that, I moved into menswear. So I kind of stayed in fashion and became a creative director of a menswear company. And that was wonderful. Um, what else did I do? I've done like one of everything, by the way. I love it. Uh, which is another great lesson for people. You can do it all. If you're interested, you follow those fields and see what happens. Right. You never know. What's the worst that can happen? 
You never know. And I had great careers in all of them. My jewelry business did really well. When it was time to leave, it was time to leave. Actually, we had a company that we signed a deal with Sarah Jessica Parker, my jewelry company. Um, More life lessons there before I went to the menswear. When I was doing menswear is when that pivot started to happen. I loved menswear. I love fashion, but it obviously didn't land for me. I'm a woman. Um, I don't identify with menswear entirely. What I loved about menswear is watching the transition and transformation for my clients. Uh, the same thing with the jewelry. I loved how they felt. I love how proud they were wearing their pieces. The healer aspect has always been there. It is what I did in the dolls. You know, I would help take care of Robin essentially and then becoming the producer. And I styled the girls. There are a lot of red carpet photos where like I dress them out of my closet And when, you know, we weren't big enough to pay them, I paid them because they all had to have a stipend. So like my healing was already there. I just didn't know where and how to express it. So I started hearing that call and um, I answered it, which is what I do. You know, I answer the calls, which means that I'm flip. I I used to think of it as flip-flopping, but my partner, God bless him. is like, no, you're experienced. Um, Love him for that. Reframe. Yeah answered the call and I started moving into it and I started studying and went really far to one end of the spectrum in terms of spirituality. And then I kind of balanced back, but I realized the key was realizing that I've been misplacing that interest. Well, that's what I was going to kind of ask you next is for those people, cause pivoting and it's such a weird word, right? But yeah. pivoting is especially during these times of like when we're going through COVID, a lot of people did that. And I think you kind of answered it, but what kind of tips could you give to people that are looking, are seeking that pivot? Like what kind of things, what kind of tips could you Um, give them? I think pivot has been completely bastardized, the word, Mm -hmm. completely overused now. So, and I, and I think it has become almost intimidating. Oh, the pivot, like I'm here and then I have to go to here, but it doesn't always work that, that way. It's, it's very rarely a seamless transition. So I would think of it more as adapting, adjusting, mm-hmm. recreating, um, or creating, period. Maybe you never created in the first place, and now it's time to create. Yep. Uh, the way I look at it and what I do, the way I lead my life, is that I follow the fields, and I encourage my clients and my students and my workshop participants to always follow the fields, which is another way of saying, follow your intuition, allow yourself to be guided by that call inside. Everybody has a compass inside. It is also known as intuition. And so I would not think of it so much of as a pivot because it is so rigid. It's it's Mm -hmm. the understanding of pivot, especially after this pandemic and what's happened has become really rigid. So just let yourself kind of feel into what feels good for you. Now is the time to do it. The rules have changed. Everything has changed. No, I love that. So no. I don't think that answers the question. But it totally, a hundred percent. Grace, give yourself grace, and really listen. Everybody has that voice inside. Everybody has that calling. Everybody has something they daydream about and fantasize about, and those are the things you want to listen to. They're indicators. Yep. And I feel like, and I feel like there's always there. I truly believe the universe gives you what you can handle, and like it, you know, like that those things happen for a reason. You're, you're where you're at because of a reason. So no, I, I, I love that. Um, 
you're doing all the things. You're busy. You're do- like, how do you stay centered? Oh, like, I have. <laughs> that's a great question. Um, it, it is not without effort for sure. I, I have a tendency to get scatterbrained. Um, uh, my natural instinct is to multitask, but just because it's my instinct doesn't mean I'm good at it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also something that can kind of confuse people. It's like, well, it just comes naturally to me, but yeah, but are you good at it? Is it serving you? And is it helping you? I'm not great at multitasking because I'm really a little bit ADD. I don't like to identify with it myself with that. However, I have to institute and implement real practices to support myself so that I do what I do well and or better as best as I can. So what I do to, um, did you say stay sane or grounded or what was your centered? All the centered. Yeah. So I have things that I do. Um, I, I've taught meditation for years and years and years. So I definitely meditate. However, some days I meditate, some days I'm not kidding. It's one minute. Other days it can be 25 minutes. Some days it's literally just sitting in whatever chair I happen to find myself in and taking a couple of deep breaths with intention. That can be a meditation. Some days my meditation is for my mental well-being, um, even though it also scares me. Uh, <laughs> some days my meditation can be in my bathtub. Some days it's like I'm sitting down on the floor right over here, you know, in my little sacred space, and I'm intentionally meditating for as long as I need to or can in that moment. So meditation is a big one for me, but I want to kind of draw back from the intimidation factor of it because it can really appear in many different ways. My mother is not likely to sit down and meditate, but she needlepoints. So do what feels good for you. That's one. The other thing I do every single day without fail is that I write my gratitudes and that helps me stay centered. It reminds me who I am. It reminds me how blessed I am. It reminds me what I value of what I value and it kind of keeps me on the, I don't want to say straight and narrow because I don't really like that saying, but it keeps me on the path I, I choose to be on. So I think gratitude is really important. It's very, very centering. Yeah. And I love how you said that like meditation, a lot of people think that meditation could be intimidating or like it's like, but it it is a game changer. It really, really changer. is. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. Even if your meditation is just breath, mm-hmm. you know, how often do you breathe with intention? Mm-hmm. We breathe whether we intend to or not right? It's going to happen. So we take it for granted. What, what happens to you and for you in your body, in your energy, you know, in your mindset, when you breathe with intention, it's a very, very different experience. Mic drop. Yeah. Yeah. Truth. truth. Um, I always love to end uh, my interviews with this really like, I I love this question because I love to hear the answer. Um, If you wrote a book, one day, mm-hmm. what would the title of your book be? And I get always get the same response. You always get just like, <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh. wait, what? That, that what? <laughs> you have me thinking. Great question. And I have a few different things running through my mind. Yeah. I've already said it the first one that came to mind and that's follow the feels. Mm -hmm. The reason I like it is because it, it indicates that self-guidance, the kind of listening to that inner voice. And it also, for me, explains a lot of this. There's a lot I haven't mentioned that I've done. You know what I mean? So it just explains the path that I've been on. 
Um, my ex-boyfriend who <laughs> remains one of my best friends is like, you're like a fly stuck in like a glass box. <laughs> <laughs> like just running around, like checking everything out and like, oh, I'll try this and I'll try that and, you know, see how this feels and see how that feels. And maybe I'll teach that class and no, nope, it's not for me. And, you know, I just try all these different things because I'm interested. So follow the feels might be one of them. The other one might be experienced, but that could be taken a couple of ways, um, which is fine too. Um, The one that is at the forefront, I'm not going to mention because I, I, I don't want it to be stolen. <laughs> not by you. Because like, that, that might be the actual title. All right. That so. might be the, yeah, exactly. There's another one. So thank you, Brett. All right. So we'll, we'll, keep, we'll, we'll keep that in the back burner. I mean, we'll see it in, in, in the bookstores one day. Exactly. <laughs> I, that's what I should have said. You'll see. Right. Yes. There you go. There you go. And how can the, the, uh, the, all the listeners find you and reach out to you if they need to? Two places. So um, I'm trying to get better at Instagram. I'm trying to be more active and I'm trying to really grow over there. I've not been a little like with it, but I'm going to really try. So I'm at Sia, just my first name. But then I also have a website, siabatten.com. And I don't know when this is going to air, but I'm launching in early September a 16-day reset, which is kind of a journey toward, well, I should say an introductory journey towards mindset mastery and you know personal empowerment and kind of stepping into your higher timeline, getting out of your own way. So it's a 16 days that's somewhat self-guided, somewhat guided by me, but actually it's entirely guided by me, but there are only a few, you know lives with me. So it'll leave you, you'll, you, you won't be bothered so much. You can do your own thing as well. Um, and this is I'm found, this is found on your website. It's about to be, okay. I'm keeping the price ridiculously low. In fact, all of our coach friends from clubhouse would want to smack me in the right. face, <laughs> but I'm not undervaluing myself at all because I have other courses that cost buckets and my clientele and whatever. I'm keeping it really low because these are practical tools for a healthy mindset and it's stuff that I think everybody should know. So I would do it for free if I could, but we like to invest in things because it means that you are invested and will respond in kind. So, and I'm sure you're going to get a lot of people wanting to do it, even with the price not being like high being at a no it's so like anybody can do it and and I just think it's it's such important work there's just really great tools that you can kind of implement every single day to support yourself you know because everyone listening every single one of us every you know you everybody who might hear this has something special to offer to the universe and if that special thing is meant to reach one other person that is just as important and special as if the what what you're meant to do is meant to reach tens of millions because it's all about impact. Yep. And you can't quantify impact. I love that you said that. And I love how you ended it with that, because that's why I do this podcast. I yeah. absolutely love to amplify others and have them share their story. Because I think everybody, like you just said, has a story to tell and has just something special within them to share. Yeah. So no, I love that. I just appreciate you. And I th- thank you so much. For t- I know, I like- <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really, really appreciate for having it. me. It was so nice to see you in person. I love the hair. Thank you. 
Yes, and I'll look forward to seeing you around wherever we see each other, on the ground or in the clubhouse or wherever. Definitely. We'll talk soon. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Of course.